We uh, have been going through the series on Christmas through his brother's eyes, looking at the book of James. And as we've been doing that, we've had this campaign that we call uh, Making Space, raising money to make space. We want to challenge people to make space in their hearts, in their minds, in their lives, in their wallets, and in this building uh, to serve the poor, the homeless. God calls us to do that. And so we've had a goal of raising $26,000, and some of that will be used to upgrade the building. Um, so that we can uh, transform this church building into a homeless shelter in the evenings uh, for people to stay here as we uh, partner with Project Homes to do that. And part of the funds are to be used to replenish our food shelves so that we can continue to uh, serve the increasing need of people who come and who need food. Amen. Amen. So our goal was $26,000. We're two weeks into this campaign, and uh, I'm happy to give you an update on this, that so far we've raised... $36,000. Yes, amen. Praise God. Woo! Fantastic. I, I, am, I just feel honored to be part of a, a people who step up like this, a congregation that steps like, up like this. In this economy, things are tough. Uh, and yet, uh, people have been giving sacrificially. And those who can't give are praying for this. And, and so you're part of it uh, as, as, as well. And on top of that, we've actually made budget for the last two weeks, the offerings. <laughs> so that's, praise God. And so I, I want to encourage you to c- continue to sacrificially give both to the Making Space campaign and to this ministry. We uh, continue to need a strong December uh, to stay out of uh, financial trouble and to make up for some of the losses in uh, November and October. Um, and in the Making Space campaign, here's the thing. We've exceeded our goal. That's wonderful and incredible. But I said at the very beginning of this campaign that we, this is a little baby step towards a direction that God's been leading us in, um, to, to use this entire building uh, in a way that would make a significant impact on poverty and homelessness and hunger in the Twin Cities. And there are, there are, yes, some exciting things coming down the pipe on this. Um, as we're having a lot of conversations with a lot of people and looking at how we can form partnerships to use this building and use this people to serve the poor. Um, and it, it, we're hoping that even in the, as early as this spring, we can begin to make headway on this. Jesus tells us that if we're faithful in little, he'll make us faithful in much. We've been faithful in little here. Uh, and so let's expect much. And so there's some other stuff coming, coming down the pipe that, that uh, we're going to need more funds for. And so everything you give to the Making Space campaign will be used to that. Um, and whatever we can raise now, we don't have to raise later on. So uh, continue to uh, pour yourself out, uh, both for the ministry of Woodland Hills Church and for the Making Space campaign, and expect great things to be coming here in the future. It's very exciting, I'm telling you. How are you doing this morning? Well, you're looking marvelous, looking marvelous. We are finishing up a series here, uh, Christmas Through His Brother's Eyes, looking at Christmas through uh, the book of James and pulling out some nuggets there. Uh, This morning, you know, Christmas is uh, associated with gifts and things of that sort. And I really feel led to look at the book of James and and talk about gifts, more specifically, how God is a gift to us and how God creates us to be a gift to Him. And so we're titling this message, um, what are we titling this message? We're entitling it, uh, The Gift That You Are, The Presence That You Are. My collar off. Someone said my collar is off. Is my collar off? If it is, don't notice it. Just pretend like it's 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 fine. I think. Okay. okay. Uh, the present that you are, and I want to read from James chapter one, verses seventeen and eighteen. 
this is a, a message this week. I, I just have felt kind of it's there's, there's some thick theology that we're going to get into, uh, but there's also here um, uh, a, a truth that is it, this week has just overwhelmed me. Uh, to the point where it's one of those things where I feel a sort of frustration that I, I'm not going to be able to say it. It's like too big for words, and it is. Like that's why we got to pray right now uh, that God gives me focus on His Father. Um, as we talk about the gift that you are and the gift that we are, and just what's going on in this creation and what you're up to and what the season's all about, uh, I am more aware than usual that my words these are so inadequate. Uh, but Lord, we're asking you to take the words, whatever comes out, and just infuse them with your uh, power to open up our eyes to dimensions of truth we haven't seen before and to receive this deeply into our lives and to transform us by it. Uh, God, uh, just destroy the blinders, all calluses that maybe are there, everything that would possibly hinder the flow of, of your spirit and the flow of truth into our lives. We, we, we uh, just come against it in Jesus' name and ask God that your spirit here just flow, just flow, just flow. We surrender this to you in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen, Amen. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. There's no change in him. In terms of God's character, he's absolutely invariant. He's steadfast. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's always good. He's always good. Every good gift comes from that God who never changes. There's no dark streak in God, no malicious streak in God, you know, no, no imperfect side of God. No, he's good all the time. He's all good. He's all good. That itself is an explosive truth if you get it in your, in your heart. Don't ever suspect God of wrongdoing. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. And then he goes on to say, he chose us. Holy Spirit, help us to receive this. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth so that we might be a kind of first fruits. Of all he created. Let's pick apart this verse. Every good gift comes from the Father above. Every good gift. So if it's good in your life, then you need to thank God for it because it's a gift. Now, sometimes people wonder this. If, uh, if every good gift, every good part of my life is from God, well, and I'm supposed to give God credit for every good thing that I have, then don't have to blame God for the people who don't have that. If I've got you know, food and, and shelter and health, and I'm supposed to thank God for that. Well, then what about the people who don't have any shelter or food or health? Uh, don't we have to blame God for that? Isn't it, you know, doesn't it go hand in hand like that? And see, that would be true. We'd have to assume that God's up there like giving gifts to some but not to others. If, if God's will was the only will that was deciding what comes to pass. Now think about this. If God was calling all the shots, then we have an arbitrary God who's going, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. you get a house, you don't, and, and things of that sort. But the reality is, and this is where we're getting a little the theological here, the reality is that there's a lot of things, a lot of variables that affect the degree to which any person can experience the good gifts that come from the Father above. All good gifts come from the Father above, but see, there's a lot of wills that are affecting what comes to pass that aren't the Father's. So whether or not you're able to experience shelter and food and health, well, to some degree, it depends on luck. Right? Were you born in America or Haiti? You don't have anything to do with that. It's just, you know, you roll the dice, here you are. And so that has a lot to do with uh, the extent to which you're able to experience the good gifts that come from the Father. 
The choices that other people make and the choices that angels make affect what comes to pass. It affects the extent to which you have shelter and food and health and things of that sort. If you go out uh, tonight driving around and somebody else is out there driving around and they had a bottle of whiskey before they went out driving around and they run into you and the result is that you lose the use of your legs. Well, that's not about God. That's about the drunk driver, but it did affect you and it affects now the good gift of legs that, that the Father gave you. So there's a lot of things that affect what comes to pass. Our own choices, of course affect the extent to which we experience the good gifts that come from the Father above. We can make choices that put us in a position to receive good gifts. We can make choices that put us in a position where we lose the good gifts. But that's not about the Father. He's invariant. He's unchanging. You see, He's always good. The world is a messed up war zone. The world's not always good, but, but every good gift comes from the Father above. And here's the thing. If it wasn't for God giving good gifts all the time, if it's just pouring out goodness on this creation 24-7, if it wasn't for that... There wouldn't be any goodness at all. No one would have the food and the shelter and the, the, the clothing and the health if God wasn't out there pouring out every good gift. And so, folks, the bottom line is that, that every good thing in your life is, 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 is ultimately from God. Yeah, your choices and other people's choices and a little bit of luck had something to do with it, but you know what? It ultimately comes from God. And so we need to be a people who thank God for every good thing that we have. Never take anything for granted. This is Christmas, right? And we're talking about presents. Well, you know what? If you got eyes that work, that's a present. And if you got legs that work, that's a present. If you got, if you got shelter, that's a present. You got any kind of help. You got food. You got clothing. That's a present from God. And we need to be thanking God for that, not taking any of it for granted. Amen? No, it's, it's, all, it's all from God. And there's such a, a change that happens in our life when we frame things like that. Uh, you know, during Christmas, it's easy for some folks to get depressed. You know, it brings up memories that just aren't... All that good. But, but a, a key to moving into joy uh, is, is to never take anything for granted, but to develop an attitude of gratitude. Uh, Chesterton said that the highest thoughts that a person can think are, are thoughts of thankfulness. To just be thankful. To, to just notice that you, if you've you got eyes, thank God for that. Just thank God for that. If you've got legs that work, thank God for that. Uh, you know, if you got a brain that works, thank God for that. If you got friends and family and loved ones in your life, you thank God for them. I, every good gift comes from the Father above. And, and when you look at the world that way, well, I, the jar is not half empty, it's, it's half full. And, and you develop this a sense of gratefulness for every good thing. So every good gift comes from the Father above. Then James goes on and he says, He chose to give us birth by His word of truth. Now think about this. Why, why does James talk about the Father giving us birth through the word of truth right after he talks about every good gift coming from the Father above? And the answer, I think, is obvious. It's because his choice to give us birth through his word of truth is one of the gifts that come from the Father above. In fact, his choice to give us birth through his word of truth is the greatest, the greatest gift that comes from the Father above now, like all other gifts, whether a person receives this gift or not depends somewhat on their own choices. You've got to accept this. God will not coerce anybody to uh, receive his good gift. Uh, there's a choice that's involved. At the same time, and here's, here's what I want us to see. Uh, it, it gets us to the, the nature of this gift, the essence of this gift. It gets us to the essence of, of, of all gifts gives us to an insight into the nature of the God that we serve. Here's the thing. If a person rejects this gift, says no to God, um, 
that's all about them. That's on them. That's, they do that on their own. God gives us the power to say no to him. But if a person says yes to this gift, that is not on their own. That is the result of God working in their life. We can say no to God on our own, but we cannot say yes to God on our own. Follow this now. Um, it, it, the Bible says we are, in, a, in and of ourselves, left to our own devices, we are dead in sin. We are, we are, we are we're lost. We're blind. Uh, we're slaves, the Bible says, in and of ourselves. We don't have the capacity to say yes to God on our own. We're not smart enough to say yes to God on our own. We don't have the righteousness to say yes to God on our own. We are in a position of, of in this fallen world with our natures being corrupt. Bible, Paul says in Ephesians 2 that we're children of wrath. We're in this position where we would just receive the consequences of all of our sin, sins left to our own. No, see, see, if you say yes to God, that is because God is working in your life. That's because the Holy Spirit has been battering down your heart. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 that no one can confess Jesus Christ as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If you're saying yes to God, that's because the Holy Spirit's been working in your life. Now, you can say no to this. You have the power to say no. But if you're saying yes and if you're surrendered, that's, that's God's grace. This, this salvation, he, he chose to give us birth. We couldn't birth ourselves. No, that's an, that's an act of grace. It is the greatest, it is the greatest gift that comes from the Father above. And it is pure gift. It's 100% grace. It's, it's from beginning to end, grace. Every square inch of this is grace. We can't earn it. We can't achieve it. We can't deserve it. We can't uh, get it in any other way. He just gives it to us as grace. It's grace. It's, it's absolute, pure, undiluted, unfiltered, unmerited grace. It, it's, it's uncompromisable, undeniable, uncontestable, unfathomable grace. It, 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 it's incomprehensible, inconceivable, uh, indescribable, indecipherable, inexplicable, immeasurable grace. It's all God's grace. Unfathomable grace, mind-boggling grace, pure grace, life-transforming grace, beautiful grace, radiant grace, 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 grace. It's pure gift. You talk about Christmas presents, well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. See, here's, a, here's the ultimate Christmas present. If you're, if you're listening to this and, and, and you're believing anything I'm saying, that, that's because of, of God's grace. If you're hearing this and believing this, uh, and, and receiving this, well, you just won the lottery. <laughs> you are rich beyond a measure. If you're hearing this and believing anything I'm saying, I'm feeling like preaching right now. Uh, I, I, if you're believing and receiving this, it's, uh, you have got a future in front of you that is more beautiful than you can possibly imagine. Things are looking up for you. I don't care what your situation may be. Uh, you have received the greatest gift imaginable. You inherited every good thing you could possibly ever dream of inheriting. And that gift is one we, we should never, ever, 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 ever forget or take for granted. No, every morning we wake up, we should remind ourselves that we have received this incredible gift by God's grace. Every day, throughout the day, we should just be giving thanks. God, thank you for this gift of grace, this ultimate eternal life gift of grace. Praise God. Whatever our circumstances may be, you got one thing to be thankful for and it trumps everything else. You maybe you don't have another gift in your life. Maybe the war zone has just really slammed you bad. I got that. But there's one thing you can be thankful for. Uh, you, you've inherited eternal life. Uh, and it's good. It's, it's all good. 
Whether your things are going good or bad, whether this is a great time of year or a bad time of year, whether you got loved ones around you or you're all alone, whether, whether your eyes work or don't work, whether you can hear or you can't hear, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you got a house or you just lost a house, whether you're happily married or your husband just walked out on you, whether you, you're, you're, you've got a long life ahead of you or you're on your deathbed, especially if you're on your deathbed. If you're on your deathbed, be shouting hallelujah. And if you can't shout hallelujah, then moan it. Then moan it. Uh, thank you, Jesus, because you're about to inherit a, 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 a wonderful, eternal, unending gift. Praise God. This gift, he seated us in Christ Jesus. That's what this gift is. We were doomed for destruction, and, and, and he destined us for, for, for heaven. It doesn't get any better than that. We've been placed in Christ Jesus. We've been given the righteousness of God. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is the gift I'm talking about. We're dancing with the triune God. The Bible says we're made participants of his divine nature. Participants of the love that it's never began and never ends. It's invariant, and we're going to be enjoying that forever and ever and ever. This is the gift I'm talking about. Thank God for this gift. Merry Christmas, everybody! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Yes! Yes! Ah. Oh, Lord, help us never take that for granted. Mm. Having fun. Okay, here's the thing. So we usually think that that is kind of where the thing ends. That's, we always think that. Oh, I'm taking care of. End of story. Uh, we, we, we think that, you know, that... We, as soon as we're rescued and redeemed, uh, that the story ends there. It doesn't. Uh, in fact, it, it's, it's just beginning there. Uh, this thing goes deeper, and it gets more beautiful. Uh, let's, let's look at this verse that we read earlier. It, it, it says, He chose us. Uh, to, he chose to give birth to us through the, His word of truth so that we might be a kind of first fruits of all creation. So that. Apparently, our salvation isn't an end in and of itself. So that. This word in Greek, ace, means uh, for the purpose of, to accomplish something, to achieve something, to bring about a, a different end. So that. So what James is saying is that he chose to give us birth through his word of truth so that for the purpose of our being first fruits. We're the benefactors of this incredible, wonderful, stupendous, gracious gift. We're the benefactors. And yet, there's a higher purpose to it. It's so that, for the purpose of our being first fruits. This concept of first fruits, you find this throughout the New Testament uh, quite a bit. Um, it goes back to the Old Testament, where the, the, the Israelites were commanded to not harvest their crop all at once. Um, they didn't wait till the whole crop was ripe and then, and then harvested. They, they were told to look for the crop that ripened first and to pick that, harvest that, and then offer that up to God. And the reason they did that was because they were showing, uh, you know, God was teaching them that uh, they were to give their, their, their first and their best to God, not their leftovers. And they did this as a way of saying, God, um, uh, you are the giver of this crop. We acknowledge that this crop comes from you and it belongs to you. Every good gift comes from the Father above. You got a good crop? Well, you thank God for that. And so they offered it up as a, as a gift to him and an expression of gratitude, acknowledging that he is the one who brings about the good crop. And they did it as a, as a sign of trust. This, this, this ripened crop is, is a sign that more is coming. And uh, they could have hoarded it and said, well, you know, we better save this because you never know what's going to happen. The, the rest of the crop might get scorched or, or something. But see, they were to find their, as we are, they, they were to find their security in God. So they, by offering this up, they're saying, God, we trust you. We trust you. 
And, and uh, uh, you who gave us this first fruit, well, we, we're going to trust that the rest of it is going to come as well. And so they gave this up as a gift to, to, to God. And in giving this first fruit up as a gift to God, they were really giving themselves up as a gift to God. Uh, they're saying, God, we are yours. We belong to you. We trust you. You are our God and we are your people. And, and th- this, this first fruit is, is a sign of that. Now, when the Bible calls us, we who believe in Jesus, the first fruits, it has that background to it. Uh, we are to be a people who give our first and our best to God, not our leftovers. That we're to be a people who our whole being, our whole being is to be uh, given to God. Uh, we're to seek first the kingdom of God in everything. In fact, this is why the Bible says that we're called to be a holy people. It doesn't mean a prudish people or a prissy people. It means a set-apart people. That word holy means consecrated. That's what the Israelites did with their first fruit. It was consecrated to God. They didn't eat it like other food. It wasn't normal food. It was different food. It was set apart for a different purpose. It was a gift. This is gift food. It was consecrated as gift food. And so we're to be a people who are consecrated to God. And, and, and so we, we, we live differently. We look different than the rest of, of the world. Uh, the ordinary way people live isn't the way we're to live. We're consecrated towards God. And we're offered up to God. And as we do that, as we offer ourselves up as first fruit to God, we are a sign of the coming harvest, just as the first fruit in the Old Testament was. We, we put on display what it's going to look like when the harvest comes. We're ripened ahead of time. And so we're to be a people who, out of our consecration to God, uh, show what, what it's like to be ripened. In, in, in a world of unripened crop, we're to be ripened. <laughs> And we put on display what it looks like to be ripened. In a world that doesn't conform to God's will, we're to be a people who put on display what it looks like, individually and collectively, what it looks like to conform to God's will. This is the kingdom of God, the reign of God. This is what the reign of God looks like. Someday, the reign of God will will encompass all of creation. Right now, this is a war zone, and there's Satan, demonic powers, and sin all over the place, but... We're to put on display what it's going to look like when that kingdom fully comes. We're to be a, a sneak preview of heaven. And, and, and so everything that will be true of heaven later on, we're to, as much as possible, put on display now. This is what it is to be a first fruit. And everything that won't be in heaven, we're to purge from our life now. So, someday the, the entire creation will be defined by the love and beauty of, of God. But we're to be a people who put on display the love and beauty of God now. In a world where there's a whole lot that's not beautiful or lovely, we're to be a people who manifest, are walking billboards of the love and the beauty of God in how we live. And and in a a world that's full of violence and hatred, we're to be a people who put on display what it looks like to be free of hatred and violence. There won't be any hatred and violence in the kingdom when it comes. And so we're to be a people who purge uh, hatred and violence from our life now. And someday the creation will be free of poverty, hunger, and homelessness. So we're to be a people who come against poverty, hunger, and homelessness now. And someday the creation will be free when the kingdom fully comes. The creation will be free of of racism and sexism and every other kind of ism and every other kind of sin. And so we're to be a people who come against uh, sexism and racism and every other kind of sin in our life now. If it won't be in heaven, we purge it from our life now. And if it will be in heaven, we then manifest it in our life now. And sickness and disease, there will be none of that when the creation comes, when the kingdom comes later on. So we come against sickness and disease in Jesus' name now to manifest as first fruits what it will look like when the kingdom comes in its fullness. And see, if we internalize this, this, uh, this concept of first fruits in our life, it reframes everything. Because remember, he chose to give us birth 
through his word of truth so that we would do that, so that we'd be first fruits. This is the goal. See, there's a lot of folks, a lot of folks who seem to think that Christianity is mainly about believing certain things. And if you're a Christian, that means that you believe in, in Jesus, God, the Bible, whatever. And beliefs are important, and I'm, I'm not denying that. Uh, but in the kind of framework today, people have, they think that it's all about getting people to believe certain things, and, and the, life, the life you live is kind of inconsequential. It's all about believing certain things. But see, if we internalize this first fruits idea, it's how you live is not at all secondary. No, it's important to believe certain things because your life won't change unless you do. And, and we couldn't believe, authentically believe certain things unless God was working in our life. That's the gift. That's the grace, empowering us to believe and to put our trust in Jesus. But see, the goal, the purpose of our being made, uh, empowered to believe certain things and have this kind of faith and, and having this new birth and this new nature, the purpose of it is so that will be these first fruits. And so the reason God saved us, see, we're the benefactors, right? Well, we benefit, we praise God. We benefit, but there's a higher purpose. We're, we're saved so that we will be walking billboards of the coming kingdom. Praise God. We're saved so that we can put on display God's love and beauty. We're saved. We're, we're transformed by, by God's grace so that we'll show the world what it looks like to be free of racism and sexism and every other kind of ism and every other kind of sin. We're saved so that we would come against sickness and, and, and disease in Jesus' name. And we're saved so that we would come against poverty and hunger and homelessness. These are not incidental things, secondary things, diminished things. No, this is the goal of everything. Having a transformed life is the purpose for our being transformed. The reason why we're first fruits is so we'll look like first fruits. The reason why you're a child of God is so that you live like a child of God. The reason why you're filled with the Spirit is so that you don't live like you're filled with the Spirit. That's why James is always saying that saying you have faith without any kind of works, well, that's stupid, that's dumb, that's dead. Anyone who hears the word but doesn't do it, well, then you haven't really heard the word. It defeats the purpose. You see, this is the end game of the whole thing. The purpose of the whole thing is so that we will put on display the glory of God. Praise God. Amen. And it goes deeper than that. But I'm just thinking gaps. This could get a little theologically intense here. Might have to work a little bit on this one, but it will be worth it. It will be worth it. Uh, remember that the, the main purpose of the first words in the Old Testament, the main purpose was to be a gift to God. Right? To be a gift to God. Now, there's things that were taught and done with the first fruits for sure, but mainly it was a gift towards God. And, and offering up this gift... Uh, they were offering up themselves. So it is with us. We're called to be first fruits, And that involves our putting on display everything that will be true about the kingdom when it comes in fullness. But even more fundamentally than that, e- even more basic than that is this. You, as first fruits, us as first fruits, we are saved and transformed to be a gift back to God. Amen. So, so get, get this. God gives us this gift. This incredible, incredible, magnificent, wonderful gift that we for all eternity benefit from. But it has a higher purpose beyond us. He gives us this gift so that we'll be a gift. Amen. He gives us the gift of salvation so that we'll put it on display and putting the, our new nature on display, we're a gift back to him. He, he, it's like the, he shows his love for us uh, in order that we will now, he shows us his love for us as a gift so that now we will love him back as a gift. How Jesus dies for us is his gift to us, but how we live is our gift back to him. 
You see, this is the purpose of, of being a fruit, first, first fruit. He gives us eternal life as a gift, and now our gift is manifesting that eternal life, being the first fruits that we're called to be. So you are a gift. You are created to be a gift. You are saved to be a gift. Uh, part of the, the, the reason why we exist is to be a gift. Now, maybe no, maybe no one's ever called you a gift before. Maybe you don't feel like a gift. Maybe you don't you know, see yourself as a gift. Mom didn't think you were a gift. Dad didn't think you were a gift. No one's thought you were a gift. You're a pain in the butt. But God says you're a gift. Amen. God says you are a gift. You are his Christmas present back to him. He gives you the Christmas present, this beautiful exchange, so that you'll be a, a beautiful Christmas present. And it gets even deeper than this. Because now remember, what salvation involves is uh, we're, 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 he gives us this transformed gift. And in doing that, he brings us into his inner being. We, we are participants of the divine nature. First Peter 1, 1, 4. Um, we're, 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 we, we dance with the triune God. We are, receive and reflect back the love of the triune God, right? And that's what we'll be doing throughout eternity. God just opens up his inner tri- trinity being and brings us into it and says, dance with us. This, this is what salvation really is. And we're already doing it, whether we know it or not. We already participate in that. But here's the thing. Holy Spirit, help us to get this. See, this beautiful exchange of him giving us this gift to be a gift back to him, this, this gift giving, um, that is, that's how we dance in the triune God. See, this, is how we part- this, is, this is how we participate in salvation. In fact, the New Testament, in a number of different ways, Shows, shows, reflects this truth. And this gets as deep as it, this, this is getting us to the purpose for why God created the world. This is the essence of everything. This brings us into the innermost chambers of the Godhead, okay? So think with me here. The Bible reflects in a number of different ways that we are a gift from the Father to the Son. Everything, in fact, exists as an expression of love from the Father to the Son. And so you see this, for example, in the way that the creation is described as a gift to Jesus. Uh, Colossians 1, everything exists for Jesus. He's the purpose for everything. He inherits everything. He's the goal of everything. He's the end game of everything. Everything is a gift towards him. It's, it's, it's a gift from the Father to the Son. You see this in the New Testament in the way, for example, Jesus talks about believers as a gift to him. And so he says things like this, especially in the, in the Gospel of John. He says, all who the Father give me will come to me. That's interesting. All who the Father give me. Over, he's always talking like this. All who the Father... like we're. His, we're presents from the Father to the Son. All the Father give me. It's really cool. And you see this reflected most beautifully, I think, in the way that, that the New Testament talks about the church as the bride of Christ and Christ as the bridegroom. And so Jesus, we find throughout the Gospels, he talks about him coming for a bride. He's coming for a bride. He's the bridegroom coming for a bride. And, and the church is described over and over again as the bride. And salvation is depicted sometimes in marital terms where when we submit to, to, to Christ, we become the, the betrothed bride, the spouse uh, of Christ. This is beautiful stuff. We're a bride that's given from the Father to the Son as an expression of love. They, you know, God does, has always been doing this, expressing love, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this is the creation, and our participation in the creation is one of the ways that the Father is expressing love to the Son. And then we get caught up in the love of the Son to the Father. It is just mind-bogglingly beautiful. Follow me on this. Don't, don't, don't check out here. This is, it, it gets even better. So in Revelation, we find this being expressed, where the kingdom, when it comes, is described as this unending wedding celebration. Just unending wedding celebration. The marriage supper of the Lamb. We sang about the Lamb earlier. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. So John says, let us rejoice and be glad. 
Amen. And give him the glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. Hallelujah. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And then John says, listen to this. The fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's people. This is, it just comes together. The word of God is so, so, so profound. It really is. Uh, it's so, get this. So salvation is God's expression of love to you, but it's also, therefore, an expression of love from the Father to the Son. Salvation that makes us the bride of Christ. It's an incredible gift to us that we are benefactors of through all eternity. But in that same act, it's a, it's a gift of love from the Father to the Son. We're caught up in the gift giving of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And our part, our part in this as the bride of Christ is, is, is to put on display the gift that the Father gives us. He gives us this gift, makes us the bride. Now our job is to put that on display. And in doing that, we're, we participate at, 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 in being the gift of the Father to the Son. You follow me on this? And this is why John says that the bride, the wedding garment that this bride wears are the righteous acts of God's people. Now, follow this. The, a, woman who wears, a woman doesn't become a bride just because she puts on a wedding gown. You can put on a wedding gown and that doesn't make you a bride. But if you are a bride, at least in the first century, you're going to have a wedding gown because that's what brides do. That's what brides wear. Follow that? Putting on the gown doesn't make you a bride, but if you are a bride, you're going to have a gown. So also, righteous acts don't make us the bride of Christ. But if you're the bride of Christ, there's going to be righteous acts. Uh, we, we, we don't make ourselves, we don't act our way into becoming the bride of Christ. We can't do that. I said that earlier. We're incapable of that. Only God's grace can make us the bride of Christ. Only his having mercy on us and, and saving us, only that can make us the bride of Christ. But see, if you are the bride of Christ, there's going to be these righteous acts. And that's how we adorn ourselves. That, that's the dress we're supposed to wear. That's the garment that we're supposed to wear. We're not saved by works, ever. We're not saved by works. But we are saved for works. All right? We're, we're, the purpose for our being saved is so that now we'll dress right. We'll dress appropriately. We become a bride, and, and, and because we're a beautiful bride, we're supposed to have a beautiful dress. And this is our part in the gift giving of the Father to the Son. Every act that we do that reflects our true nature, our, that eternal life, every act is, is our participation in the gift giving of the Father to the Son. Uh, we receive this beautiful gift to be a beautiful gift. And, and, and we become the bride of Christ to be the bride of Christ. And what it means to be the bride of Christ is to make ourselves ready and to dress appropriately and to wear these beautiful, beautiful uh, garments so that we'll be an appropriate gift for the Father and the Son. The Father wants the most magnificent, beautiful gift uh, possible to give to His Son because His love is unsurpassable for the Son. But a bride that isn't dressed appropriately, a bride that's wearing a, a, a messed up, muddy garment, that's, that, that, that's not, that, that doesn't reflect the Father's love. Our job is to live in a way uh, individually and corporately that reflects the Father's love to the Son. Get locked that. Oh, that came out just right. Uh, yes, we're to live in a way that reflects the Father's love for the Son. And in doing that, we're reflecting our love for the Father and the Son. You see? So everything we do, every act that is consistent with the kingdom of God is, is a result of God giving us the gift of eternal life because we wouldn't do that unless God gave us the gift. But it's also our gift back to God. But it's also God's gift to God. Bam! Yes, I did. 
I, I, I guarantee you we're going to podcast this message because it's not going to get any better than that. It, it might get worse, but our living, our, our, our job is to live in a way that manifests the, the gift that came to us, that is our gift back to God, that is God's gift to God, the Father's gift to the Son. So folks, every, every child, whenever we resist the pull of the culture to hoard resources and live sacrificially um, and, 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 and serve the poor, that is, that is a result of God giving us a gift, our new nature, Right? We wouldn't be doing this if God hadn't given us uh, the... We might be doing some good stuff, but we, we wouldn't be doing it in Jesus' name unless God gave us this new life. So when we resist the pull of the culture and live sacrificially and serve the poor, for example, uh, then we are, we are manifesting the gift that we have. We're, we're giving a gift to them. We're giving a gift to God, and we are participating in God's gift to God. The Father's gift to the Son. Every child that we feed and every child that we clothe is, is a, a, a result of God's gift to us. It's our gift to God and it's God's gift to God. A, a, every family that we support and come around, every family that we provide shelter for, uh, every elderly person that we visit, every lonely person that we might embrace, every prisoner that we visit in prison, every enemy that we love is, is a result of God's gift to us and it's our gift to God and it's God's gift to God. We're dancing with the triune God. We're dancing with the triune God. This is what it's all about. Amen. And it's not, it's not, it's not just about these, uh, you know, the, serving the poor and loving enemies. It, it's about every aspect of our life. So this Christmas season, uh, as you're going through the Christmas season, uh, when you, when you forgive that relative instead of holding grudges, uh, that is a result of God's gift to you. That's your gift to them. That's your gift to God. That's God's gift to God. And when you hang out with Uncle Joe, who's ornery and cranky, and you'd rather just ignore him like the rest of the family does, but you are there and you listen to him and, and love him and go get him uh, his refilling of potatoes. Well, you know, that, that's, that's a result of God's gift to you. That's your gift to Uncle Joe. That's your gift to God. And that's God's gift to God. I told you this was going to be theologically intense. I didn't know it was going to be that theologically intense, but, but, but I, are you getting me? Are you, are you feeling me? Oh, yeah. All right. And when you, when you, you know, you don't judge that brother or cousin or nephew that everyone else in the family judges and gossips about. There's always, every family's got one or more. But when you don't do that, and you instead, you, you, you say good things about that, that, that brother or sister or nephew or cousin. When you do that, that, that's your gift to the brother, sister, or cousin, but it also reflects God's gift to you. That's your gift to God, and that participates in God's gift to God, the Father's gift to the Son. You're dancing with the triune God. And so it is for everything that we are adorning ourselves with, individually and collectively. Uh, we, 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 we're the bride who makes ourselves ready. We put, we put on display the beauty of the gift we've received and the gift that we are. God uses that to bless the world and to invite the rest of the world in. But ultimately, it gets to the heart of why there's a creation. Uh, it all exists, we exist, as God's love expression uh, for his son, Jesus Christ. So I, I pray that... I'm so happy with the way that, you, that, that we've responded to this uh, campaign. Uh, and uh, yeah, we've gone over and beyond what we uh, were shooting for. And I pray that we continue to just get in that vibe. Uh, just kingdom, 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 kingdom. And the more we do that, the more we contrast with the culture and, and the more we bear witness to this coming kingdom and the more we put on display the gift we've received and the more we put on display the gift uh, that, that we are back to God and that we are from God to God, the Father to the Son, dancing with the triune God. Let's dance with the triune God. Let's participate in the divine nature and all that we do and how we spend our money and how we spend our time 
and, and, and how we interact with people, with our relatives, with our enemies, it doesn't matter. Uh, keep, on, keep on putting on that, that, that robe of righteousness, uh, that, that garment, that decked out garment, uh, that we might be the beautiful bride that we're called to be, that we're empowered to be, that we're saved to be, that we're created to be, that we really are, that we really are. That's our true nature. Uh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. It's good, isn't it? God's good all the time, invariant. Yes. I'm having too much fun. Uh, having too much fun. Okay, I'm going to pray that God just seals this on our hearts as we uh, leave this place. Uh, know that the uh, prayer teams will be up here. Would love to pray with you. Uh, and But any need that you have, any need, really. This is, this is part of how we get dressed. This is our wedding garment. Let the church minister to the church. Uh, and so come up here and, and receive whatever prayer uh, that you need. Abba Father, you are just mind-boggling, beautifully, beautifully, incomprehensibly, inconceivably, immeasurably, inexplicably, indescribably, indecipherably beautiful. And this thing of salvation is the same. Uh, what we receive is beautiful. And God, you empower us to then give it back to you as you now express your love for Jesus Christ. It's just, it, it couldn't possibly, possibly be more beautiful. God, help us to never take any gift for granted, but especially not this gift for granted. Help us be a people who just ooze with gratitude, overflow with gratitude, and have this thankfulness in, in our life. And then, God, help us to be a people who 24-7 live this. Live this as we serve others and forgive others and, and focus on others and, and spend time with others um, and open up our lives for others. We, as first fruits people, as kingdom people, as the bride of Christ, we surrender ourselves to you once again. To say we are wholly yours, we trust you, we are, you are our God, and we are your people, and we consecrate ourselves to your service as we leave this place in Jesus' name. And all of God's people, the whole bride of Christ, said, Amen. God bless you guys, go out and love on the world. Hello, Podrishners. Uh, do you know that that term, Podrishner, is uh, being used all over the place now? Someone actually told me that they nominated it uh, to become part of the official language, however they do that, I don't know. But hello, Podrishners. You're Podrishners. Uh, one of the things that most jazz me, uh, being part of the ministry here at Wilton Hills Church, is getting feedback on the impact uh, that this church, this ministry is having on people all over the world, our Podrishners. There's a number of folks who are, are now having house churches uh, that are, are rooted in, anchored in uh, the message here. And it, just to see the difference that that is making, it's just, it just floats my boat. And uh, it's an honor to be a part of a ministry and partnering with you uh, to work to build the kingdom to, to see it go forward. Um, this last fall, as some of you might know, we ha- our offerings were consistently below our budget. And so we're in need of having a very healthy December uh, to avoid a rather significant financial crisis. So our philosophy has always been that to just make the needs of the ministry known and then leave that up to God and leave it up to trust that people will be listening to God and um, that God will raise up the funds to uh, meet the needs that are there. So would you prayerfully consider making a year-end donation uh, to this ministry uh, so that we can keep on doing the stuff that God's called us to do? Again, it's an honor to be partnering with you uh, to work together to see the kingdom of God go forth. God bless you. Have a great day.